0: Listening to the Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and on today's episode, we have another Hudson Valley musician, in this case, the very talented Joey Eppert. Joey, welcome to the Rick Z Show.
1: Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. It's a
0: pleasure to have you here. It's a thrill, in fact, because I'm a big fan of your music and I'm really looking forward to you playing some guitar today. And you and I have never met before. You're our first guest, I believe, that I've never met before having on the show. So it's Pleasure to meet you.
1: Right on. Uh, Great to meet you too. You know, there's a lot
0: of stuff to talk about. Your career is varied. I'm sure I won't get to all of it, but I'd like to try to hit most of the main points. One thing that strikes me about what you do is your songwriting. I'm a songwriter myself. Nice. The obvious thing is your guitar playing. It's so striking that that's what people are going to focus on, that and your voice. As a composer, somebody that comes up with these chord structures and writes songs and stuff, I think you're very adept at it. You know, your influences, I know, are Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, a lot of classic rock and stuff. I hear Beatles, too, and Rush.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Do you listen to Rush? Uh, Yeah, I think, um, you know, classic rock in general is a big influence, but more so um, John Lennon and the Beatles definitely influenced my DNA, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, My brother and I, Josh Eppard, uh, when we grew up, we would... uh, we slept in the same room in bunk beds and we'd put records on and put them on repeat so they played all through the night so we'd be dreaming and hearing these albums like <laughs> Pink Floyd Led Zeppelin Police you know you name it and uh what a way to experience that music when it's like cycling like that I think it really gets into your head and into your DNA and um when you experience it you know on that level I, I think uh, it's just a cool way kind of similar to like Edgar Casey, I guess sleeping on books and stuff hmm
0: And those dreams eventually became your songs, essentially. Absolutely. uh, In a manner of speaking. And I can hear Lennon in your voice. I can hear that influence. It's amazing how many people have that influence in their voice, Lennon. You know, his his reach was very far. You know what else I noticed about your music is the intensity. A lot of your lyrics are intense. You have a lot of very dark imagery. Where do you get your writing style from?
1: I think um, my process. I don't try to uh, judge what comes out until it's already out on the table. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I don't try to be dark, and I don't try to be light. I just try to let it come forth, and then I try to, you know, kind of shape it from there into something. You know, I have a band called Three, and the number three has sort of followed me around. So my philosophy, I think, is uh, you have these polarities: you have light and you have dark, and if you can bring them into balance, you kind of create this opportunity to go to the apex of the triangle. So it's like kind of balancing the polarities. That's um that's the way I like to look at it sort of a, a triangle or a three-dimensional approach to music. That's
0: really interesting. You know, every songwriter has their own process. I've talked on this show about certain artists that dream abstract shapes and colors and stuff. They turn it into music, or you know, they write only the lyrics first, and then the music comes, and everybody's a little bit different. Polarities, triangles, you know, a lot of people have these mathematical terms that they use to describe their songwriting, which I, I find very interesting. And it is a structure, you know, to a songwriter. You you know, it's, I, I have all these games I play with myself when I write word games that nobody else would understand. I, I, mum, I walk around, pace around, and, and mumble. Mm-hmm. It's almost like speaking in tongues when you write songs uh, to some degree. Yes, yes. If you know
1: what I mean. I definitely do.
0: You know, all this talk about songwriting has really made me want to hear one of yours. Would you mind maybe giving our listening audience that may not be familiar with your music uh, a little taste of what you sound like?
1: Sure, yeah. We
0: would be honored.
2: Yeah. my advice is not what it is. join the circus but take my advice it's not what it seems
0: That was great. That was just great. That was really impressive. You you. play so cleanly. I could hear every rake, every run that you do. I could hear every note in there. I mean, that's really clean playing. Thank you. And same for your singing. Also really good. We were talking before the show about your uh, stint in Jesus Christ Superstar. I could totally hear that voice playing (laughs) Jesus. And you are a lot like Jesus. (laughs) have to... to, Oh, boy. That's a loaded... uh... That's a... Hmm. <laughs> Inside joke there. Uh, is that an ovation you're playing? Yes, it is. Yep. You always play ovations, don't you?
1: I do. There's, um, you know, I'm just not comfortable uh, with flat backs. Pick up a, a regular acoustic guitar with a flat back and it turns away from you. So when you're holding it, you can't really see the neck, but an ovation has a round back, which kind of projects the sound outward, and it, it sits at a little bit of an angle. It turns because the back is rounded. Hmm. And so when I look down, I can literally see every note I play, and it's, that angle is just much more uh, comfortable. Uh, when I pick up another guitar, I feel cut off wow. from the instrument. you know, It feels boxy to me. Yeah, that's and, um, very
0: interesting. I, I always and, uh, found it really difficult to play an ovation. I had a, a round back 12-string, and it sounded great. I mean, they're great, durable guitars. I'm a rhythm guitar player. I notice you, you really bang on the guitar. That's like me. I, I do yeah. the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you need something durable like an Ovation, but those round backs I kept sliding off my lap every time I went to sit yeah, down. Yeah, that's you know? a
1: very common uh, issue. with People they sit down to play them, then now one of those boxy guitars will sit right on your knee. The Ovation will just keep sliding right off. Mm-hmm. But that's why I, I stand up and use a strap because that's that's what's comfortable with with that type of guitar. Right. You know?
0: So it's, you're more than just engaging the audience; it's actually got a practical purpose for you mm-hmm. as well.
1: It definitely does. You know, I mean, I remember the day I met my first uh, Ovation. I, I went in. To, uh, I don't know if you remember Allegro music. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> I remember, I remember <laughs> that. And, yeah. Uh, Good old uh, Ed. Good old Eddie, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was the best. Yeah. But yeah, I walked in and he told me this story about a boyfriend and a girlfriend who, she bought him a guitar for his birthday, they had a big fight, she took the guitar back and sold it to him uh, for <laughs> cheap. And so he, long story short, he, he sold it to me and I, I remember seeing it and thinking like, oh, this thing is kind of hideous. It was bright orange and sun, sunburst and just kind of like that's a really weird-looking guitar. And, uh, and then I picked it up and played it, and I was like, uh-oh, this is a, this is it. This mm. is my... Partner. Well,
0: it's a great match, you and the Ovation. Let me ask you, Joe, you come from a very musical family. Your dad, Jimmy Eppert, is a very well-known guitar player in this area and beyond. Mm-hmm. Your brother, Josh uh, Eppert, he saw some success in his band, Coheden and Cambrian. Um, Coheed and Cambria. Co- oh, I'm sorry. I, it's, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, Pliocene yeah. era, I think, yeah. I'm into just, Dinosaurs, just, too, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: well, they had a lot of success. Uh, They're
1: they, they having a lot of success. And, yeah. and
0: still having a lot of success. I mean, one one of the bigger bands from this area, actually. So what was it like growing up in that household? Was it Were you guys one of those families that played together a lot or sitting around the campfire, or was it not like that?
1: No, it wasn't like that. Uh, it was more like I learned passion for music from my dad. He had a lot of records. He put a lot of music on. My mom loved music, and time we left the house, she would secretly she thought start dancing around the room and, and listening to her songs. A lot of Stevie Wonder that definitely seeped into me. Oh um, yes, I hear that. Mm-hmm. But it was like this. It was. It was not a normal house. You didn't get in trouble for the you know regular things. You, I uh, I remember having my first uh, Fender Twin. In, in my bedroom, and I was playing some stuff through it, and uh a good old time, really enjoying it, and my dad burst into the room and was like, what is this? What's going on in here? You never turn the reverb up past three, never! <laughs> I don't want to hear that reverb, you, that's more than enough reverb, that's too much reverb, alright? Turn that reverb down. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry dad, and I was like, I, I like the reverb, and I turned it right back up. I turned the volume down so he couldn't tell but um, okay so that
0: was your version of rebelling turning the reverb turning the reverb up
1: don't fear the reverb yes yeah
0: yes Uh, a house of musicians (laughs) that's what that sounds like yeah you know one of my favorite things that you've done is an album a solo album of yours called Bend to the Future uh huh I love that album because I mean for one thing it's just got great material on it I'm curious about the name though where does that name come from
1: like you'd mentioned earlier some of my songs are written about dreams that I had uh, And there are a few songs on there actually One of them is called Puddle And I had this very uh, powerful dream And I woke up and I wrote the song When I was like 17 years old The dream was basically about me walking down the street I turned the corner onto this street Around the corner from my house on Lindorf Street And I looked up in the window And there was like this beautiful girl And it was just like you know love at first sight And boom And So I wrote this song You wrote Puddle at 17? Yeah, I did Oh my god I wrote that song at that 17 That song's incredible too well, first of all, and,
0: uh, I, I don't mean to interrupt. Oh, sure, sure. Rusty Johnson, right here, is a shameless, shameless Joey Eppert fan, <laughs> I, I have to yeah. say. He actually introduced me to your music, so I, I owe him one for that.
1: Oh, right on. Well, I'm actually a, a Rusty Johnson fan. So oh, look the at way that. That works out pretty good. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Yeah. W- well, that makes two of us. So we got a lot of talent on today's show, but I digress. Let me f- let you finish your story, actually, because it was going somewhere. So I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Well, sure. So so anyway, we're talking about the song Puddle. So years later, you know, I wrote that song when I was 17. About five years later, when I was 22, I'm hanging out with this girl who I really like. I'm like, I want to play this song for her. And so I sit down, and uh, I knew she grew up in my neighborhood. But I didn't know where. I play the song for her. And she's like, what? she's giving me this look like,
2: Wh what? <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: are you a player? Like, are you trying to play me or something? Mm. Because... It turns out that was the street where she lived, was the street from my song where I met met this girl that was like the love of my life. This girl is the love of my life, and I ended up marrying her, and that dream was a message, basically, to me, from the future. The dream came true. Yeah, and so, you know, Been to the Future, that title, like a few of these songs kind of touched on that sort of prophetic thing that sometimes happens for me through music. Uh, you know, and there were there are a few other little moments in there and other songs as well, but I think you know it's possible to tap into something I think there's an aspect of our being that exists outside of space and time, in other words and and when you can access that, you can glimpse things from the future, things from the past because time isn't linear in that sense yeah
0: and songwriting is such an unconscious thing who knows what's all in there you know exactly going on and sticking to different things Uh, you know sometimes I'll, I'll write a line that seems perfect for the song but I have no idea why I wrote it or what it Supposed to represent. Sometimes I try to learn about my psyche by listening to my own music, trying to figure out like why I wrote that. It's a, it's a, it's such a mysterious thing, songwriting. But that's a great story, and it's got such a happy ending. And now we have to play puddle. Of course, we've got to play <laughs> that song. Do you have a lot li- happen to have a live version of that song?
1: Yeah, there's, there's a great um, kind of quintessential live performance of that from my uh, Joey Eppard Live in Concert DVD, which I uh, shot a number of years ago uh, at Nevesa Studios in Woodstock.
0: I'd love to hear that. <music>
2: to sit up straight And I have been waking up and walking outside Down round my corner on to Elmendorf Street A girl in a window watches me walk by I'd best decide if I like to know why, but this is not the way i weep our results. We've ever been we're gonna be, and the light I thought I saw was all in me a reflection of affection in control. Just a picture in a pothole Puddle in the middle of the street So I step right up and knock on the door Straight in my shadow once more The girl from the window She's not in the window No But I can hear footsteps Falling on stairs This is not the way Are we always we, So we've been We're gonna breathe And the light I thought I saw is only me A reflection of affection incomplete With just a picture in a pothole Huddled in the middle of the street To and I see her eyes realize what to do So now from the window, we watch the storm blow the Squadrons of raindrops, filling potholes, this is not the way This is all we've always we've ever been, we're gonna be And the light I thought I saw it, was all in reflection of affection, incomplete. We are, we are, oh, oh, oh. is all we are, is all we've ever been, we're gonna be. And the light I thought I saw was only me, a reflection of affection,
0: That's just great. You know, you're in a band called Three. You mentioned it earlier. What we just heard is a solo work, right? Yes, yeah. So your band three, how many members in, in three?
1: Uh well currently there's four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I almost expected that answer somehow. There's four four guys and three. Yeah. Were there ever three guys? Is, is that, I mean, where, where does the name come from?
1: Well, it, it never had anything to do with a number of band members. Okay. Uh, three is a mystical, magical key to the universe for me. Something, for some reason, I was very inspired by early on. Uh, the number three, and uh, I found a lot of reasons for that over time. But like I, I had mentioned, it's something that uh, is part of my philosophy in terms of musicality, uh, in terms of being a three-dimensional artist. I've always wanted to be more than just like one thing. There's so many artists I think that are very well marketed and packaged, and it's like one thing. You know exactly what you're getting. It's that flavor. Yeah. There's no deviation. It's easy to market. I'm kind of like a in a quandary because. I have all these different ways I want to express myself and different things I'm capable of. You get a, a very eclectic mix of music uh, when it comes to me. You know, I don't want to just paint one kind of picture. I have a lot of different things to explore and say. And so that's a three-dimensional sort of approach to music. And, uh, yeah.
0: I can hear just in a conversation with you, your philosophies and, and things like that coming out. I hear that informing your music because... A lot of the lyrics that you have can't really put my finger on the word except to say they're ethereal. They have a certain ethereal nature about them. I can hear that just in, in you speaking, you know, which I find very interesting. I think a lot of that stuff filters right in, directly into your music. So I guess your music is very much of yourself. You know, It's it, there isn't a lot contrived about it. It's really you. Do you find that to be true?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's my process. That's the only way I really know how to be is just uh, myself and just be genuine. I mean, I guess like there've been a few times where I've tried to like become a character in a song, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that's that's a that's a cool experience too. You know, for the most part, I think for me, like if I had a religion, it would be music, and that's you know my religious practice, I guess. And so it's something that I hold very important and very dear, and something I try to respect.
0: I think that's great. and, and I can't wait until we pray again on this show, because it sounds so good when you, when you do it. If I'm not mistaken, you actually wrote a song about the members of the band three.
2: <laughs>
1: yes, I did. It,
0: and it was kind of, I can tell it was written by the leader of the band, because the leader of the band is always corralling the other crazy musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many personalities in a band, and... It's like a marriage. It's harder to keep together than a marriage, I think. A band because you got all these different characters. Oh, yeah. You got these musicians, which are all they're all very sensitive in their own way. And you've got you know I, there was one line that really struck me. I don't know who who in your band it was written about, but the line was "You're always busy drinking forties or chasing <laughs> shorties." It's, yeah, it's a, it's a great, <laughs> it's a funny line. Yeah, That's a and, great line. and
1: pretty much exactly uh, true. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a lot of poetic justice there. <laughs>
0: so three is still together. Three you... is
1: still together, yeah. And I and that song that you're referring to is called The Game. The Game. And uh, I wrote that during the making of our, our very first album, Paint by Number. And we were a three-piece at the time. The bass player, uh, Chris Bittner, and my brother, Josh Eppert, uh, they laid down some great bass and drum tracks, and they were like, all right, we're done, later. <laughs> and they were out just doing whatever Uh and they left me in the studio with the producers and where i was you know was kind of battling out for my artistic vision and, and i felt a little bit abandoned i guess and uh and i decided maybe the healthiest thing i could do would be to take out my frustration in a song so i wrote a little song about uh murdering those guys and then uh and then in the end realizing uh it was wrong and killing myself to reunite the band
0: Uh, It's the least you could do (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It's a brilliant song How long have you guys been together? Three
1: Uh, You know, there's some debate there I'm not sure (laughs) A long time, you know I mean, I started the band It's either 1992 or 93 The very first incarnation wasn't called Three It was called Brie And at the time we had a guitar player Who's now in Three uh, Billy Riker, and he was famous for forcing that name on the band because there was a girl he liked named Bree, and he <laughs> said, "It's Bree or I'm quitting." <laughs> <laughs> so we named the band Bree. Okay. And then, ironically, um, a little later, the bass player and Billy, at the time, had decided that they wanted to go full on Christian uh, musically, and uh, and I said, you know, I didn't have a issue with that, but that I wasn't willing to limit myself. In that way and that uh, so they those guys left the band and they said you know they kind of said the obvious they knew I wanted to call the band three they were like well you know we'll leave and you could just call the band three and uh, and that's what I did. That wasn't
0: your only band you also were in a band called Drugs was this before three or during three when when did this take place?
1: In the next century I met Michael Clip Payne a member of uh, P-Funk who moved to the Woodstock area and we ended up doing a session together where he heard me sing and play, and uh, and you know we did this song for an artist named Alex Gopher. Clip produced it and sang on it, and I sang the lead. And it ended up being a, a pretty big hit in Europe. Um, so that's where that connection began. And he kind of put this band together that was a combination of uh, guys from P Funk and guys from the Woodstock area. And that band was called Drugs. Put out a record called uh, "The Prescription for Miss America."
0: The Prescription for Miss America. Yeah. That's wow. Cool. That's
1: a cool title. Yeah. M-I-S, America.
0: Uh, alas, once again, the time has ebbed away. It always goes too fast. It went particularly fast today. Would you by any chance be willing to come back next week and grace us with some more conversation and music?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I really appreciate that because uh, I'm not done by a long shot. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Would you take the show out with a song of yours?
1: Sure, let's do it. Okay. This uh, tune I'm about to play is an instrumental called Brahm Fatura, which is defined as a system of vario-material planes.
2: Stunning, stunning. Yes. Uh, fantastic. Thank
0: you. You've been listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Every week, produced and engineered by Rusty Johnson. Come on back next week. You don't want to miss part two of Joey Eppert. We'll see you then.